0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here with the first edition of Full Measure After Hours, our new podcast associated with Full Measure with Cheryl Ackeson, our Sunday TV show. And today I'm here with producer, one of the best in the business, David Bernkopf.
1: And it's good to be doing this podcast. We've been talking about it for a while. We And now we're finally going to do
0: it. You know, David and I worked together many years ago at CNN, and I was able to convince him to come and uh, join me here at Full Measure. It's been awesome. And what we want to talk about today is one of our really big trips that we took for Full Measure with a little bit of the -the behind-the-scenes color as to what happened on that trip. It was in Greece where we were covering what I'm calling the Greek illegal immigration and refugee crisis. Really, Europe's crisis that very few people are reporting over here, it seems to me. It was quite a surprise. Um, When you were setting up the story, what were you learning about what's happening in Greece?
1: When we first started working on the setup, what we thought the story was, uh, was that Greece has been one of the main receivers of Uh, these illegal immigrants coming across the Mediterranean and the Aegean, along with Italy and Spain. And at some point in the recent months, the rest of Europe had stopped taking those refugees from the Greeks. They had been spreading out to Sweden and Germany and France and other places in the European Union. And then those countries didn't want anymore. They were having trouble integrating all the people they had. They were having some crime problems, some terrorism problems, and so the numbers just became, there were tens of thousands stuck in Greece.
0: Well, and here's where I think this became a classic and great full-measure story. We don't go with this preconceived notion that necessarily what we have to find. We listen to them, and this is a story I just haven't heard reported much here, which is that Europe has largely shut the door to those refugees that we heard about in 2015 and 2016 I mean if you talk to people today they think oh Europe has opened their arms they're so welcoming why can't we be more like them and in fact that's not really what's going on there
1: and the other thing that happened over the time that we started to plan this was almost in the in the few weeks right before we got there the story changed pretty dramatically and has continued to change and what happened is there was a new influx and boost in the number of refugees that were coming by raft. And so when I first started making phone calls on this, there were maybe 100 a month that were still getting to the Greek shores. By the time we got there, we were told there were 100 to 150 a night.
0: From one boat.
1: From one, yeah, one, one crew. One boat picking them up. And now there are... From the last research I've done, there are several hundred, even a thousand a night being picked up by the Greek authorities. And so what we saw is even more pronounced now.
0: And what's interesting is there's, again, so little reporting about it, but what we decided to do was to see for ourselves when we were there. We went out on a Greek coast guard ship, a boat actually, not a really huge boat, and they take these out, and they know—this this got me—they know every night exactly where to go to pick up these rafts of refugees from places like— they're coming from Turkey or through Turkey, but they're coming from Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq, and Africa. They pay the human smugglers, and they're sent on these overcrowded, kind of flimsy, inflatable rafts. They're stuffed on there and sent on their way. And we didn't know what we would find, but the captain sure did. I don't know if you remember, the, one of the first things he said to me was, we will have 150 tonight. And I said, how do you know? And he's just, he says, he knows. They know, it seems like nobody's trying to stop it. They know exactly where the pipeline goes. They know where the closest point between Turkey and Greece is in the Aegean Sea, which is where they float across. It's only a couple of miles. And darned if it wasn't exactly as he described.
1: Three in the morning, uh, their radar picked up a little blip. And it's very hard to see these little low-profile rafts on radar. Uh, but they picked up a couple of signals. The first one turned out to be nothing Nothing we found. The second one, though, was uh, just this most overcrowded raft filled with little children. I think that was a surprise to me. I, I had ex- expected, you know, you might find 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds. But there were babies. Babies, yeah. And... um maybe 50 or so in a raft that's built for 10 people. Very dangerous. A dozen people at least had drowned a couple of nights before when their raft uh, either fell apart or turned over. Nobody knows exactly what happens to these people. And um, so, yeah, I think even though the the captain told us to expect it, it was still a surprise to me when I saw it for the first time how many people were on these rafts.
0: And then... The captain, so while we were waiting, we went on the boat around 10 o'clock at night, and we, you know, not sailed, motored out there. And while we were waiting, the captain came out smoking his cigarette, talked to me on the deck, it's pitch black out there, and I'm telling you, he barely stopped talking for an hour and a half about this whole crisis, you know, what's happening in Greece with these refugees and immigrants, and it was really sad. I mean, he explained that every night he comes to pull them out, and he really feels for them. He talked about he has his own children. This is very sad for him, but he feels good, you know, when he can rescue and save them. They've lost very few on his boat uh, before he could pick them up anyway. But he also, there's a lot of resentment, you see. So we, we welcome and love the immigrants, but we can't afford them. And he talked about how much of his tax dollar is taken out for taxes for the European Union and for Greece, and sort of the resentment over how much... They're giving the refugees, the refugees, once they get there, of course, they're entitled to food and shelter and some education and and some benefits. They get cash. And he said the cash that they get tax-free is more than he has at the end of the month after he buys his food and cigarettes, as he put it, to spend as a Greek citizen. Of course, he was
1: smoking a lot. He was
0: smoking a lot. (laughs)
1: I think that was one of the things, (laughs) interesting behind-the-scenes thing. You go on a Coast Guard or military operation. And I certainly did not expect to see this very relaxed crew It was a crew of the captain and five others, Something I think. Something like that. Uh, they're in T-shirts and shorts, no weaponry visible. It's clearly, really they hot, had, yeah. It's very hot. And they are talking to each other, not seeming to be doing much work, and smoking, I think four of the five of them were smoking nonstop.
0: So we were, on duty. we were closed up in the main cabin for part of that time and it was kind of making me sick because it is and he, they warned us. He actually said this is going to be so thick with smoke. It's going to be hard for you to see in here. And then didn't they have a sign in there that said no smoking? Yes, there
1: was a sign in there that says <laughs> no smoking. But I have to, to be fair to them. The second that they knew that they had a real raft in sight or just out of sight every you know the cigarettes go out everything becomes completely professional so it's just the way they are on that particular ship
0: another thing that struck me is this is not what they're supposed to be doing like they were designed as the captain told me to protect the border and he said we we do not do that anymore he said we are the welcome to europe kind of the bandwagon we don't do any protection of the border we bring people ashore and because these rafts float and they don't know if Turkey's picking them up or Greece is picking them up. If Turkey picks them up, they're afraid they'll be, you know, taken back to Turkey. So the second raft we found that night started running from us or, you know, motoring away because they didn't know who. So then the Greek ship starts telling them, we are the Greek, we are the Hellenic Coast Guard, we are here to save you and have to convince them we're not the Turks, you know, shut off your motors, we're going to bring you ashore or uh, aboard the boat. And then these guys... Sort of like our Border Patrol, this is not what you know, they're trained to do it, they're doing it just fine, but this is really not the job they signed up for to pull ashore these little babies that need diaper changes and seasick people. And you know, the boat our boat was so overcrowded, it was wasn't made for that many. I think we by the time we picked up the second load of people, didn't we travel back to the port at like three miles an hour.
1: Yes, they. The captain told us that we had to go slowly because there was so, the boat was so overweight that he was concerned that our Coast Guard. It's not even a cutter. It's a. I wish I knew the size of it. Maybe sixty feet long mm-hmm. or something. A fast patrol boat. He was afraid it it could uh, capsize because of how overweight it was. So we. It was no more than a five mile trip back to the docks, but it took, really uh, it took more than an hour—way more than an hour—because uh, of the the fear that someone could get thrown overboard, or even the ship could go over.
0: And uh, then when they when they brought these people aboard, which is itself a trick, because they're on a flimsy raft, they have to be brought up the side. They're carrying babies. There was an old lady. You know, there's people that are, and they're all hungry and seasick and whatever. So they're bringing them up, and um, there's really no provisions for them. Like here in the United States, when the people come across, and we'll talk about that another time, but there's people to rescue them. Our Border Patrol springs into action with water and food and medical care. And here um, it's just the Coast Guard guys, and the people are thirsty, so they wanted water but they're, they're not giving them water. And they said part of that is they're so seasick, some of them, that it's not a good idea to start handing out anything to them. But they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're tired, and really they're just told to sit on the deck. They're also chilly. It's it's super hot and sticky, but at that time of night when you're wet and there's you know, ocean spray, it's a little, some people were chilly and they wanted blankets for their baby. They don't have any of that. Actually, they, there's no way they could carry all that on the boat. Provisions for the people they pull up. So they just make them sit there and tell them to shut up, basically. And no
1: restroom facilities. No restrooms, uh, facilities. Yeah. Um, And then yeah, they separate... The, the, the mission isn't over for a while.
0: Then they separate... Um, I didn't realize they were doing this at first, but they take the men, and they separate the men from the women and the babies. So the men are put on the front, and they said, that's a security thing. So, you know, these young men are taken to the front of the boat and watched. No guns were out, like you said. Even, I'm sure they had weapons, but there was nothing showing. And um, it worried some of the people because there's obviously a language you know, problem. Most of them do not speak Greek or English. And the women and children were worried that their husbands or loved ones who were men were being taken away, taken somewhere. So there were some tears. There was a lot of concern until they all kind of communicated and figured out, okay, we're safe. They're just separating us, but they're not doing anything with the men.
1: You know, one thing that, That I didn't want to mention about that story is we got quite amazing access, and you'll see it in the story. We were allowed to go anywhere we wanted in two different refugee camps, uh, and we were... Uh, on two different, our crew, we were put on two different Coast Guard ships, the two that were out that night, and we were out for the whole night on both ships. So whatever happened, we were going to see. This was not like go out for an hour just to see what it's like and come back.
0: You know, I think a lot of people don't know that a lot of times we in the media, when we arrange a trip, it's carefully structured in ways you don't see. We're told you have 45 minutes to do this. You may not show X. You, you, must, you, know, you must do certain things to get the access. And it was surprising to us, like David said, there was none of that. In fact, we had to use a local crew because our photographer had to go back to the States at that point. We'd been all over Europe. So the crew, really, I say crew, it's a guy, one guy. He's Greek, and he had shot on these boats before, actually, some of the international boats doing this sort of work. And he was shocked. He said he'd never seen such access being given that we got to basically do what we want, shoot what we want on the boat and stay there all night.
1: And the only thing of the whole three days we were in Greece shooting the story, the only thing that they asked us not to show was at the very end of the Coast Guard trip on our boat, there was one person who they pulled, one young man who they pulled out from the rest because they thought he might have actually been one of the smugglers or somehow involved in some criminal activity. We didn't really understand. They asked us not to show the turning over of him to the police as opposed to the refugees being brought in and and processed. That was the only thing in either of the camps or on the ships that we were asked to not uh, show. Uh, But one of the reasons, maybe the main reason that we were given this access is that the government had decided and this was the government that's not there anymore, this was the very far left uh, government that it was voted out just after we left. Um, but that government had decided that it needed to show the world that it was in a tough situation, that even though it was getting some money from the European Union to pay for the camps, these camps were filling up with people and it's gotten worse is much worse now even than when we were there just a couple of months ago and so they wanted the world to see that they were still doing their part and the rest of the world they felt was not doing its part particularly their european partners
0: there was a lot of bitterness i mean actually when we went throughout europe but particularly in greece because they feel stuck with this problem that they don't think they're getting enough help for i interviewed the greek immigration minister and you know, they were very frustrated. He was saying, don't get us wrong. We love refugees. We have welcomed them. We have well cared for them. He was very proud of the centers that they've opened up. But they're at the point where they simply think they cannot handle this many people. They, they are nearing 100,000 refugees in a relatively small country with 72 overcrowded refugee camps and the island we were went to where they're pulling them ashore initially is called Lesbos. it's very close to Turkey it's part of Greece already that refugee camp there is the second largest city on that island that's how many people there are and it's already devastated the tourist industry it's still a lovely place I have to say but it's like a ghost town when you get outside of the main areas because the cruise ships have stopped coming because of the refugee crisis the tourists have stopped coming I think I stayed a couple of extra days after our shoot. I was the only American I saw. In fact, I didn't even see Europeans. There was just not a lot of tourism or visitors. It's really been horrible for them, but it's still a lovely, wonderful place to visit. And the presence of the refugees and immigrants, they do complain about increased crime in some areas, but most of the island doesn't see any problem. So it's You know, it's just sad for them.
1: One thing that it's important, I think, for the audience to remember, we point this out in the story, is that of all the countries in Europe, the country least able to afford this is Greece. We tend to forget, because it doesn't make it in the news here very often, that Greece went through that horrible economic collapse, unemployment up to, I think, 30%. It's not that bad now. They are coming back, but slowly. And so, It's not only that they are overwhelmed logistically, it's that they don't have full employment there right now. They have an economy that's still suffering. That's one of the reasons why the far-left government got thrown out and replaced by a more right-wing government. People just are not happy with the way things are in Greece generally, and this extra crisis, which is now back almost to 2015 levels, puts a lot of pressure on a country that has enough problems as it is.
0: And one thing I learned, we'll close it out after we make this final point, this is the story across Europe that whether governments are left or right, many of them are under stress or have been voted out because of the pressure over this refugee crisis and the idea of who should be doing what, how many should be taken in, what's happened since they've come, that's a, dri- a driving force behind Brexit, the uh, British vote to exit the European Union. There, we found tensions and stresses really across Europe on our visits that all relate back to this migrant crisis, if you want to call it that.
1: Yeah, we'll be doing a story later in the fall, because we were also in Denmark, looking at the uh, issue of integrating the growing Muslim, largely refugee community there into the greater Danish community and the stresses that puts on a very liberal, kind of free-thinking Scandinavian country that, like Greece, wants to be welcoming to people but is having trouble with the numbers and the cost.
0: If you want to see the story, you can actually watch the story about where we were on the Greek Coast Guard ship. We called it the Greek Burden. You could go to our website because we are, you know, on television stations on Sundays, but replays can be seen anytime at fullmeasure.news. We hope you loved this first podcast. We're going to keep doing these regularly, Full Measure After Hours. You can follow us on Twitter. And I'd like to thank David for being part of it. We're going to hear from other talented behind the scenes producers, although I'm sure David would say he's the most talented that we have.
1: I would never <laughs> say that out in front loud. of anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, a reminder to do your own research, make up your own mind, and think for yourself. And thanks for listening.